Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. And welcome to the show. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner. Big Al right next to me. A uh, little lineup of the show. We got what? Tom Anderson. You know, debt is always like a bad word in retirement, but not to Tom. Yeah, he actually is going to teach us why there's certain value of debt in retirement. Right. Got to hear that. Everything that you learn was wrong. Everything about debt you heard, heard is wrong. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to kind of unpack that and see what he's talking about. Yeah, um, because everyone, you know, you talk about pay off your mortgage, you want no credit card debt and everything else. And I agree with all of that. But in some instances, hey, if you understand both sides of the balance sheet, right, then I- you might have a little bit more leverage and success. Um, and this doesn't apply to everyone. Uh, because there's there's discipline <laughs> that yeah, there, needs to be involved here. There is discipline, and there's certainly we, we've heard people talk about good debt versus bad debt, and generally bad debt is things like credit card debt, high interest rate debt, where you're you're typically using that kind of debt to fund a vacation or buy a, a new TV, something like that. Things that go down in value, and good debt might be like a home mortgage uh, if you have a home that uh, will hopefully go up in value. So you do get that distinction. So I think probably that'll be partially what he talks about, but we'll find out. Sure. Um, like last week, we had Doug McCormick on, um, and Family Inc. was his book. And he had a similar philosophy in regards to looking at your finances as a company. You know, you're the CFO of your particular family office um, or your family business. And um, Tom Anderson, that wrote the book, uh, you know, Debt and Retirement, what everything you learned about debt was wrong, kind of has a similar philosophy of looking at both sides of the balance sheet, kind of looking at your your overall financial wealth um, as a business. Because most big companies, they have debt on the balance sheet and they leverage right. that debt. Um, yeah, they 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 do. good point, Joe, because they do look at it differently than we do. In other words, they they borrow for to fund their inventory, they borrow for expansion, maybe to buy equipment, maybe to set up a new location, and all of these things are designed to make them more money more in the money, future, not so, less. Right, and so when you use debt properly, uh, it can actually be pretty effective. So stick around for that, um, and of course, we have your email questions. And, um, you know, when we look at debt, um, I don't know why I went back to this, but I am, (laughs) is that there's discipline. There has to be discipline. And in regards to all things in life, when it comes to finances, you have to have some form of discipline. Um, And the easiest way to save for retirement is in your retirement plan through your work. But what? What's the latest study here that maybe half of, of... Companies or smaller companies or more than that? This is right off the press, Joe. This is Bureau of Labor Statistics. They looked at companies with fewer than 50 employees, which is the majority of companies in the United States. I mean, there's a handful of big ones. But the most, I mean, if you just look at the sheer number of people in, in uh, the sheer number of businesses, sheer number of workers, they're working in small, very small companies. So under 50 workers, not even half of those employees have access to a 401k. Right. So in other words, less than half have any kind of company retirement plan. And just as a reminder, 
when you have a 401k at your employer, you can put in $18,000 pre-tax of your salary. And you know what? If you're 50 years and older, you can do another $6,000 what they call catch-up. So you can put $24,000 in. Now, you might have a next-door neighbor that works for a company that doesn't have a pension plan or a 401k plan, and they don't have that same opportunity to put pre-tax money away. So in a sense, it's it's really a shame. It's it's There's not a lot of parity, I guess, in terms of people's ability to effectively save for retirement. Well, we have a new president that was sworn in on Friday, yesterday. Yes. And, you know... With the slogan of "Make America Great Again," right? Yes. Um, and looking at small businesses, and we, you know, we talked a lot about kind of the proposed tax uh, law that Mr. Trump wants to do, or President Trump right. um, would like to do. And so, with small businesses is a key component of that, right? In in building um, small businesses is kind of the the fabric of our our company, our our country, right? But hopefully, someone in the organization there can fix this whole retirement debacle. Because if there's so many small businesses, and most of those small businesses do not have a, a, a retirement plan through their employer, it's very difficult for them to say because of the discipline factor again. Because I can then check a box with my HR and say, I want to put 4% of my income into this plan. It comes directly from the paycheck into your 401k plan. It's out of sight, out of mind. And lo and behold, you know what? After a few paychecks, you kind of even forget about it and you're living your life and you're saving and you're paying yourself first, which is a key component of financial success. Right. It, it is, Joe. And, and it's, you know, almost more disturbing than that is when you look at this little graph that I'm going to kind of read for you, which is, yeah, less than 50% of the companies that have 50 employees or less have a 401k plan. But uh, if you look at the number of people that participate in plans, I mean, you're looking at all people, whether they have a plan or not, it's only 33%. So in other words, about 50% of the companies, a little bit less, have a pension plan, but it's like only 33% are actually taking advantage of it. And that's, that's, a, that's a whole other problem, right? Which is, man, we got these, some people have the ability to save for retirement, but for whatever reason, they choose not to. Yeah, well, and maybe choice is a strong word too. Maybe they, you know, they feel that they can't because they're living paycheck to paycheck. Right. And that's, and, and in Southern California, that is a big problem because it's a high cost of living here. Yeah. But then most of our listeners in you know who you are, <laughs> that make um, significant income that are not saving nearly, nearly as much as you should. But isn't it funny, Joe? And we talk to a lot of people, and it's um, and a lot of people we talk to are very disciplined, and they do a, a great amount of saving, and I'm sure you're one of them. However, we also talk to people that it doesn't seem to matter what salary level they, they are at. They spend every p penny. They always tell us the same thing, which is, I don't have a lavish lifestyle, and I can't, there's no way I can save a, a penny. And what are other people doing? Right. And well, it's like people that make a third of your income have are 10 saving. Times, yes, are yeah. saving. And guess what? They have seven figures saved. Right. I mean, if you want me to dive in, I can say, well, let's see. You've got biweekly maid service. That's not, uh, I mean, if you look at the general masses, that's not something that a lot of people have. Well, yeah. Weren't your neighbors complaining because you, they saw you vacuuming? <laughs> 
Well, I was with I, an apron on. Yeah, I mean, and, I, we're, and Annie, your wife, is mowing the lawn. Well, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. You said that. No, I said that, and we were talking. She, I, she's I was, got the forklift. I was talking repairing to, the roof. I was talking <laughs> to. Uh, the... I was talking. Well, here's the story. I was talking to a group of, of guys, and it, it just came up about how I'd rather one of one of the guys said I'd rather have my wife tell me why she's mad at me than not. Right, and and where my mind, where my head went, is, well, yes, me too, and and I think part of a great marriage partnership is is helping each other out. And I use the example of I'll vacuum the carpets, and then I get I get crap from my guy neighbors that they see me doing that. Al, what are you doing? You're making us look bad. So I have to close the the shutters. <laughs> yes, <we're right. laughs> that's kind of creepy that they're looking in at you. It, you know what? You're right. I think that's what, the bigger problem. What? That I don't is... think the problem is you vacuuming. <laughs> I think the bigger problem is is that your guy friends are peeking in, that's, watching you vacuum. That's a that I never thought of. that is a bigger problem. Oh boy! So uh, when we come back, we got uh, Big Al's list of the week. So stay tuned for that. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Joey Anderson here, certified financial planner. I'm with uh, Big Al Kulpine. He's a CPA. Uh, what list do you got this uh, week, Al? Well, I guess I wanted to go a little bit uh, different, a little bit off track in terms of, because a lot of times we talk about finances and how much to save and retirement planning and taxes. This is 18 questions to ask yourself before you retire, Mr. Joseph Anderson. All right, 18 questions. So I don't know. Let's not go through I don't 18. know how many we'll get to. Even Just I'll, a couple. Even I'll say that. I guess I'll start with the very first one. What does being retired mean to you? So you got to ask yourself that question. I think these are, you know, touchy-feely, softy, Tony Robbins type stuff that I really hate. <laughs> but I think it's extremely important. It is important. Because... Uh, I, I see. I've been, you know, doing this a, a, a few years now, right? Um, and when people, our, our our clients, right, they hire us, you know, if they're in retirement, before retirement, whatever. I mean, so, but when, let's say a pre-retiree, they're five years out of retirement, right? So we've been working with an individual for five years, saving money, doing some tax strategies, making sure the portfolio's sound, getting them buttoned up on, you know, their estate planning, risk management, and so on. And then they retire, Right, there's a definite shift in the energy of that particular individual where you know there's anticipation and excitement to get to that retirement date, but then all of a sudden, once they retire, there's happiness, but also there's a lot of fear. Yeah, there is for lack of a better word, maybe it's not fear, but there's some anxiety, right? Because now I'm not saving, now I need to take money from the portfolio before. You know, I didn't really spend all that much time taking a look at the portfolio because I was saving money. You know, I would sit down with you guys every three or four months. You know, we would kind of get an update. But then once I retire, now it's start taking distributions from that. There's a definite mind shift of anxiety of saying, all right, well, I, asset depletion mode. Now it's time for me to start spending the money that I've saved my entire life. So asking you that that question, right? What does retirement mean to me? What what does that lifestyle look like? What is my dreams, aspirations, my purpose, and everything else? That is so key to focus on that. Because once you start focusing on the dollars and cents, if you will, 
Right. Then that's when people start making the bad decisions. Yeah, and it's interesting, Joe. I just ran. I was in the elevator with uh, actually one of our clients this week. We we came up the elevator together. I happen to know he's been retired about a year and a half, two years, something like that. And I asked him how's retirement going so far, and he said, "Well, it's it's a lot different than what I expected." And I, you know, well, what does that mean? Tell me more. And he said, "Well." He said, first of all, the, the, um, the financial part, that was, that's fine. But he said, here's, here's what I thought. That He said, my wife and I met playing bridge. We love playing bridge. We loved it then. We love it now. She retired eight years ago. She plays bridge all the time. I thought I would be playing bridge with her all the time. And he said, it turns out that she's got these women's She's got her own group. And she's got her you're own. Not a, you're not invited. You're, you do your own deal. Right. Do your own bridge group. And so he, he that was kind of, somehow that didn't occur to him. And I think I think there's these aha moments that happen to almost every one of us that retires. It's like, here's what we think, and then reality hits, and it's something different. And it's, boy, I, I will say, the more that you can pre-plan, the better, because you, you, you want to sort of minimize maybe those shocks or surprises the best you can. And absolutely make sure that you communicate what your retirement vision looks like, right, to your spouse if you're right. married. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking that it's going to look like. Right. right. Because you might be assuming that you're on the same page when you could be on the exact opposite. I remember this study, and this is going off memory, uh, is so they asked, you know, men, you know, what, you know, what are your top priorities in retirement? And men's top, or most of men, the majority of men were like, well, I want to spend more time with my spouse. Right. Right. That's and what that, the men said. That's what the men said. Yeah. Then the women, that, that was like 10th on their list. <laughs> that's That was on top of what I'm most worried about. <laughs> I got to spend time with my husband. Right, exactly. So you got to communicate to see what the overall financial picture looks like. First of all, right, do you have enough money to retire? What is the overall Social Security strategy, pension strategy, taxes, and things like that? Once you get that buttoned up, all right, now the the, the next phase is to say, all right, well, here we go. You know, we're retiring next year. What does that look like? What do we want to do? How are you going to spend your time? How are you going to find your purpose and everything else in between? Got to take another break. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al. Thanks for tuning in. Happy weekend. A little rainy this weekend. A little chilly, but uh, rain's always good, right? It is good. Especially... Does it feel like we're in a drought? Well, it doesn't, and and it turns out now the northern part of the state, San Francisco and above, is now officially out of the drought, which is great. We're still in it here in Southern California. You know, and, we... and the worst of it, by the way, is around Santa Barbara. Really, that's the absolute worst part of the drought. That's where it's extreme at this point. Wow! Look at the. I, I, I check the drought, drought map every hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, usually I get my uh, material for the show in the elevator. Uh, yeah, I know that. But, right? <laughs> you didn't, didn't, were no. paying attention this week? Well, we're getting a new elevator system, right, at the office? Yeah, sure. Uh, you've noticed this. Right? Yeah, I did okay. notice it. And so if you've ever been into the, the one that's kind of already set up with the new technology, have you ever read what's on that thing? I mean, it is crazy economics and <laughs> I, I mean I, I don't even understand what's going on Serbia just escaped from us <laughs> I, I mean it's like <laughs> I go give me what state drinks the most 
then I could use yeah, that. Then on the I could use that on the right? show. Yeah. But when you start talking about, you know, what's going on in, you know, Serbia, <laughs> it's like I can't use that. I suppose this isn't this is a show about finances in the US. True. But, yeah. but do you know what state drinks the most? I would I'd have to say Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, you would say that. <laughs> Rhode Island. No. Yes, sir. How could that be? I, ask the elevator. <laughs> I don't, I don't have any sources behind that. That's what the elevator said. Okay, there's a little trivia in the elevator. I because I would think any state that pe- that people talk with a sort of a Canadian type accent is heavily drinking. Well, that's I, my that's my intuition. Well, you were born and raised in Southern California. Yeah, aren't you? opposite. Yeah, I drink, was born drink, in Minnesota. I drink tea. <laughs> well, and I'm the only guy that you know from Minnesota, so I'm, apparently that's what uh, it's, you're I, equating I, my I, drinking I've habits. Done, I've done a sample study of <laughs> yeah. everyone I know from Minnesota, <laughs> which is one. you and your mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, they, that state must just be boozers. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know your brother and sister well, yeah. but um, I, I'm just—it's a sample of two. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, you could be right there. Yeah. So I'm, we're asking questions that you need to ask yourself before you retire, and one of them, Joe, is—is uh, is what would you like to add to your life and eliminate from your life? And obviously, you're going to no longer be working, and maybe you want to decrease your involvement in some professional associations. Or, But how are you going to fill the time? Because clearly, freedom is something we all want, we all strive for, and it's also can be scary when the slate is clear. And sure. what what should I be doing? Right. Yeah, and you want to have that feeling of, man, I am going to be so busy in retirement where I, I couldn't find time to work. Right. right? I, I do think that's the best way to do it. Case in point, dad, My, Yeah, there father, it is. I can't wait. The, the father Heart story. The, fa- <laughs> the father story <laughs> and mother. Uh, because when they were in their mid to late 50s, my mom started her, actually her first career, college graduate, psychology major, University of Redlands, but essentially raised four kids and really didn't spend time in a career. Until she was in her 50s, we were all either graduated from college or in college, and she decided she wanted to be a park ranger. And that started with the state park system in California. And then she went to the national park system, uh, worked at Cabrillo National Monument, which then uh, went to she went to Yosemite, which is one of her favorite places on earth is Yosemite. And so think about my dad's standpoint. It's like, well, hmm, my wife is moving to Yosemite. Maybe I should think about retiring and be a park ranger, too, which is exactly what he did. And what he told me was the 10 years that the two of them were park rangers in Yosemite, in Sequoia, back in Massachusetts, uh, in Santa Monica Mountains, were some of the 10 best years of their lives because they had they had absolute purpose on something that they truly believed in, which was having a, a beautiful place, be a beautiful setting that people could come to. And I remember my dad talking about retiring, and he retired at 57. So I'm behind the eight ball, yeah, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. I, yeah. He's yeah. probably pretty disappointed. Yeah, pr- probably. But anyway, uh, he was uh, playing French horn in local bands. Uh, the French horn? Yes, French horn. <laughs> oh my God, that's he, awesome. <laughs> he, he, got, he got really into ecology and on and on and on. And interestingly enough, he told, he, he told me that exact statement after two years of retirement. He said, he said, I had this friend that told me when you retire, it's because you, ha- you don't have enough time to work because you got so many activities. And I think that is a great approach to a successful retirement. 
the French horn. You like the French I, horn? I, I, you didn't know that? No. See, I knew I'd throw in yeah, something new. Yeah. Jeez, the whole French horn. <laughs> yeah, in fact, Brother Richard plays French horn. I play guitar. Uh, my son, Ryan, plays guitar. Other son, Robbie, plays ukulele. Uh, uh, Robbie, Ryan, and I can play piano. Uh, bro- brother Todd is uh, is hopeless. <laughs> he can sing, right? Get him in the lead singer. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Get the Clopine family little band. I and then just I got I got my younger sister Dana. She doesn't really play anything either. No, got it. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There's a little recap of the Clopine family. <laughs> uh, what other questions should we be uh, considering? Well, I guess a little bit a part of maybe getting more a little bit more into financing is how do you feel about downsizing? Because a lot of us are a lot of our equity, a lot of our net worth is is pent up in our home. Sure. And of course, a lot of us don't want to leave our home. It's our it's our comfort zone. That's where our friends are, our community. Uh, if we go to church or whatever our activities, it's it's there. But in some cases, the um, what we find is when you look at your net worth, uh, the highest percentage is in the home, and then how do you go about taking advantage of that? And of course, one way is to downsize, and that's not the only way. That's an obvious one, right? You have a million-dollar home, you downsize to a $500,000 condo, and maybe you pay off the mortgage in the meantime and still have two, dollars $300,000 left over. That's a great way to go. But sometimes people overlook other things, Joe, like uh, in, in some cases, we'll, if people live next to a university, they might rent out a room to a college student or uh, in terms of uh, reverse mortgages. Reverse mortgages uh, tend to have not had such a good name because of maybe abuses in the past, but they're, I would say they're, they're a little bit more worth a look right now because some of the abuses and some of the problems have been cleaned up lately. Yeah. We did a webinar. Um, if you want to go to purefinancial.com, um, and it was utilizing home equity um, and several different strategies that you can take a look at. Um, if you wanted to create additional income from the equity of your home um, or just different ways to look at the home. Um, and I think, you know, with reverse mortgages too, it's like people think it's the last resort, you know, but I, I think a lot more wealthy individuals that it's not the last resort. It's a tool that you can use potentially, um, you know, because of the line of credits that grow. And I mean, there's all sorts that we could do a whole show on it if we wanted to. Right. Uh, but uh, we did a webinar. It's an hour webinar. So you can go to Pure Financial, uh, download that. Then there's also an ebook that we gave away as well to get you more information on that. And I did it with a professor um, from the American College. Got it, so, in Boston? The American College, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what I thought. Yeah. See, so, I know my colleges. Yeah, you, you sure do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it wasn't from like a mortgage broker trying to sell a reverse mortgage, it was from a professor. Yeah, academia. That, yeah, that really studied, you know, um, he's on the board of <clears throat> retirement studies of all sorts of different things. So. I think that's the best way to learn about it because then there's no there's biases, agenda, right? right? Yeah, there's right? no hidden agenda. That's always the problem of, of anything you listen to is, well, what's what's behind it? Well, what's, what's your agenda, right? Al? What are you, what are, what are my, you selling? My, my agenda is to educate our listeners so that they can become more proficient financially and have the retirement life that they would like to live. Well, truth be known, Alan. <laughs> you got you got something else? Yeah. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Uh, show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Klopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, stick around. We got Tom Anderson coming up. Uh, he wrote the book uh, Debt and Retirement. 
It's like, that's the last thing you want, right? <laughs> Debt and retirement. Uh, but he's got uh, a different way of looking at things. So stick around for Mr. Anderson. There's no relation. Yeah, you would think so. Oh. Joe and Tom. Tom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's perfect combo, right? <laughs> I mean, it's very, you know. What's your brother's name? Benjamin. Benjamin. That should have been Tom. Or Jonathan. Or John, yeah. Yeah. William. <laughs> William, yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a name in my family. My my dad and my brother, middle name is William. Really? Because we had a William, uh, great, I have a William great-grandfather. That's mm-hmm. where that came from. My sister's name is Erica. Okay. And she was named after uh, Erica Kane. Do you know who that is? I don't. Do you know who Susan Lucci is? No. Do you ever watch soap operas? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> You're and, vacuuming. And, and, You've got the apron on. <laughs> All i got to do is put some soaps on, Clopine. I'm missing out on a whole world, aren't I? Yeah, I guess my mom was a big fan okay. of Erica Keene from, got it. Which, I don't know. Which one, I was at. I don't know, One Life to Live or General Hospital? Or... Is the... <laughs> As the something, as the world turns, the world or whatever. Turns. I, yeah. I have no idea which one it was from, but I know who Susan Lucci is. She like was up for like seven thousand Emmys and never won, or maybe oh, she really? finally did. Travis, yeah, it, it was. <laughs> my, my mom cried every year. <laughs> All right, hey, um, I just got the email bag. Oh, okay, yeah. So um, got some we got a, good questions yeah, this few, week. Uh, yeah, a couple of them. A couple. Of them. Okay. So. This is the title of the email. Should I recharacterize my traditional IRA contributions to a Roth IRA? Okay. I just realized that I've been making non-deductible traditional IRA contributions for years, while I should have been making Roth IRA contributions instead. In 2007, 8, and 11, I made non-deductible traditional IRA contributions of 4,000, 5,000, and 5,000 respectively. Okay. So a total of fourteen thousand dollars there, Big Al. Yeah, I did. The, I could for do those the of math. you taking score, <laughs> is it too late to recharacterize those contributions to my Roth IRA? I did meet the MA uh, Maji modified yeah. adjusted gross income limits for Roth contributions in those years. How do I calculate the net income since I have made contributions in the later years, two thousand eight and eleven? Is this recharacterization going to cost me? Is it better just to leave it alone? Wow, loaded question. I, I I like the question though because there's a fair amount to it. So I guess maybe we'll start with the fact that um, virtually anybody that's working and has earned income can do a regular IRA contribution. As long as you're under seventy and a half. Well, that's true. I said virtually. <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, however, if um, a couple of stipulations, if you are not in a company pension plan, you can fully deduct that $5,500. Company 401k plan. Yeah, 401k, right. Yeah. Those are different, right? Yeah, that's true. Pension plan, I'm thinking defined benefit. Yeah, okay. I, I'm with you. Jeez. <laughs> every, every step of the way, I'm being corrected. It's like I'm in, back in school. Uh, we got, Mr. We, Clopine. we got to be accurate, Alan. <laughs> so uh, you can deduct that. $5,500 or $6,500 is the maximum if you're 50 and older if you're not in a company 401k or 403b or 401a or 457. Got it. Okay. Now, if you are in one of those, then there's income limitations and most people, they hit those income limitations and you can't deduct that IRA, uh, but you can you can maybe do a Roth IRA contribution and there's income limitations there. And uh, so when you're single... Uh, versus married, 
Uh, and we got we have a, I've got a new table here, Joe, and that is when you're single, if your income is between one eighteen one eighteen and one thirty three one thirty three. Yep. Then you, uh, in other words, if it's less than one hundred eighteen thousand dollars and you're single, you can make a full fifty five hundred dollar Roth contribution. If it's over one thirty three for two thousand seventeen, you cannot do a Roth contribution. And if you're married, if you're curious about that, those numbers are one hundred eighty six thousand to one hundred ninety six thousand. If you're somewhere in between, you get to do a partial. Right. Right. So here's a case where someone actually did qualify for a Roth contribution, but did a IRA contribution. Could not deduct it. Got tax basis. Looks like about fourteen thousand uh, dollars in this IRA. And first of all, the answer is you can't. You, you wouldn't recharacterize, but you could convert that IRA to a Roth. And and and. But here's the caveat, Joe: is is if that's the only IRA that you have, then that works pretty well because maybe your IRA now is worth sixteen thousand. Fourteen thousand was contributions. Two thousand was growth. You current convert the whole sixteen thousand. You only pay tax on the growth, which is two thousand dollars, and now you got sixteen thousand dollars in a Roth IRA. And in, and you can do a Roth conversion regardless of your income level, regardless of your age. You don't even have to be working. You don't have to have earned income. A lot of people don't realize that there's no dollar limitation on how much you convert. It's wide open. Now, on the other hand, if this individual already had IRAs, let's just say already had $100,000 in an IRA, um, or let's let's say had $86,000 yeah. to make the math easy, $86,000 in another IRA, and then this $14,000 with basis, IRS says you have to add all your IRAs up together as if they were one single account. And in this case, it would be $100,000. You have basis. In other words, you didn't get a tax deduction for $14,000. $14,000 into $100,000 is 14%. So when you do a Roth conversion, you have to pay, you get tax-free conversion on 14% of the conversion, but you have to pay taxes on 86%. So that's kind of how that works. Clears my... Yeah. You follow me? You, you didn't interrupt, so I must have been perfect as, as heck. <laughs> it's complicated. It is. It's complicated. So <clears throat> I guess just to boil it down to this individual, you made contrib- non-deductible contributions of $14,000 in three years. You made deductible contributions in the other two years. Those, all right, so then you add all those dollars up. Let's call it $20,000. $14,000 of the twenty is after tax. Okay, if you converted the full twenty thousand, right, fourteen thousand of that would be tax free. Recharacterization he could do if it was in that same year. You could recharacterize that IRA contribution because these contributions were in 07, 08, and eleven. You know, it's too late to do any type of recharacterization. Recharacterization only means is that you're just kind of undoing your contribution that you made. Right. So you made a contribution. You can recharacterize that back into whatever that you want to do. Uh, recharacterize it to a Roth or, or there's time limitations. October, um, the filing tax deadline is, is, is usually the deadline to do any type of recharacterizations. What Al was saying is like, hey, you know what? But there's a better way to get it into the Roth is to just convert it, right? So now you're taking the money that you have in an IRA and you convert that and there's no time limitation. So if I made a contribution in 2008, it's 2017 today, I can convert those contributions. Anytime no, you want. Yeah, anytime you want. You just there's going to be potential tax liability, so you just want to be cognizant of what that tax liability is, because there's the pro rata and aggregation rules and things like that. So it gets extremely complicated. So anytime you're dealing with IRA monies, that's where you want to maybe take a step back and understand exactly what the heck you're doing. It, it is 
complicated, but I do encourage the concept because when you get money into a Roth IRA, you're starting to take control over your taxes in the future, and control is everything when it comes to your money in retirement and taxes because in retirement, you actually do have more control over how much you pay in taxes because you have at least some measure of control of which accounts you take the money out of, and each account may be taxed differently. Got to take a break. She'll spend your money wealth. 